Our guest today is a confident and fearless young woman who made history by becoming the youngest female trader and the second African-American woman trader in the New York Stock Exchange's 228-year history. She's a keynote speaker, an author, a woman and youth finance expert, and a film and TV producer. This industry disruptor is committed, competitive, and follows her intuition. We are so excited to have Lauren Simmons on the show with us today. Keep listening to hear her story of determination, why she loves being the dumbest person in the room, and get a sneak peek at what she's working on next. Now introducing your host, co-founder and president of Woman Leadership Nation, Jennifer Latticer. Welcome to the Woman Leadership Nation Breaking Barriers podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today as our guest. Yeah, thank you so much. And, and thank you for inviting me on this podcast. I, I'm really, you know, wanting to align, you know, with powerful women and that, you know, have, have podcasts and, and just amplifying our voices. You know, I know that there's so much talk about women coming together, but I, I really make that a vision and a mission for me. So when you reached out, I said, you know, hands down, yes, let's do this. And this will be a fun and great opportunity. So thank you so much for reaching out. Oh, that's great. So the first question that I ask everybody, and it's kind of fun, is when you were younger, what did you want to be? When I was younger, what did I want to be? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm trying to think. You're still very young. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, gosh, when I was younger, um, probably when I was very, very young, because you know, I am only 25 now, um, a fashion designer, I think comes to mind as one of my first careers that I thought I wanted to do. Then navigating into high school and college, um, I worked, you know, with Chanel handbags and again, really thought I was going to stay in fashion, but then really was interested in architecture and thought I was going to study that in college, uh, major in architectural engineering and minor in statistics. Uh-huh. And then, then I went into genetics and then now I'm in finance. So <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I know it's actually, I did a podcast earlier this morning and she also wanted to, to get into the fashion design and ended up in technology. So, you know, <laughs> for now, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, so maybe tell us a little bit about your journey. So even from the beginning of why you chose what you studied and then sort of how you evolved into becoming the the youngest female equity trader on the New York Stock Exchange is extremely impressive. But maybe just a little bit of history as to why, you know, why did you choose that and and how did you sort of start your journey? So yeah, so for me going back into high school, I studied architectural engineering and really thought that that's what I was going to be able to pursue once I went to college. Um, I didn't end up getting into a college that had um, architectural engineering as a program. So I had to pivot and I went into genetics. I went into genetics fully based off of my twin brother. Um, He has disabilities and I really wanted to become a doctor and impact families the way that doctors had impacted mine growing up. Oh, wow. Um, Yes. And through writing my senior thesis, I realized that we weren't as technologically advanced as I had hoped. And so 
literally a week before I graduated um, college, I realized I wasn't going to, you know, go on and get my um, PhD in genetics. And so I decided, okay, I still want to move to New York and I will figure it out. So why New York? What was it about New York that was it the idea of, of really challenging yourself? So New York, so my grandparents live in Jersey and I growing up had visited Jersey and visited New York uh, often, but I think the last time that I went, I knew this is, you know, this is where I need to be was the summer before I went away to college or the summer before I graduated college. And I don't know, I was in the city and the taxis and the smoke and the smell. <laughs> yes, and, and I just, I loved it all. And I said, and I don't know what it was, because it is very cliche for um, people in America, and maybe not even just in America, but definitely Americans after they graduate college to move to LA or to New York. But it was something about New York that was calling me. I couldn't say what, but I had a gut feeling. So I knew regardless of you know, how my last semester in college was going to go, I was going to New York. Um, And so, yeah, I I ended up graduating the day that I um, walked across the stage, December 13th, 2016. I, that very same day, I I flew to New York. Um, And so for there, while I was in New York, I definitely used my minor in statistics, which I had a strong background and that when it came to architectural engineering, as well as genetics, to be able to leverage a, a job and, you know, coming straight out of college, you think, oh my goodness, I have a college degree, so everybody wants to hire me. That's just not the case. And I think, you know, that message should be echoed to, you know, the younger generation or everybody yeah. that's coming out of college. Like, you still have to work uh, just as hard to be able to find a job and you still need to network. And through that process from December to March, March is when I actually landed the job. But I remember during that process, just thinking that that was just such a long time thinking, Oh my gosh, like yeah. I don't have a job. What is going on? Um, I, so, one yeah. Of your, yeah. One of your interviews, I really, what really struck me and I really admired about you is the fact that you acknowledge that it was difficult and it's a competitive market out there, but that you had the courage to network a lot and also mm-hmm. do a lot of cold calls. And so what gave you that confidence to be able to pick up the phone? And also, what did you say? Because I think there's a lot of people out there that will be hopefully listening that could really value that advice and that lesson. So I knew before going to um, New York, my mom, she works in HR, she works for a Fortune 50 company, and the hiring process for one job application, they can get anywhere between, you know, crazy numbers, three to, to 7,000 applicants for one job posting, oh, right? So great. in order to stand out, it is going to be those personal relationships or being able to network. Um, so with that mindset, with that mindset, when I went to New York, I made sure that I was putting myself in front of people that one had the power to be able to move mountains to get me into a company. You know, while it's great to be able to, to, you know, have conversations with entry level people, they're not going to be the ones that will be instrumental and, you know, helping you with your career. And then two, what did I say when I either emailed or spoke to them directly? 
you know, I, I was very polite. I, I'm only going to take 10 minutes of your time. And I never asked flat out for a job. What I said was something along the lines of, I, you know, love what you're doing. And again, these were people who were in different various professions, again, because I wasn't really sure what it was that I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but what I do know is that people love to talk about themselves and love to talk about their journeys and how they got to where they were at. And so, yeah, I would say something I love with what you, what you, where you're at and what you've done. Could you, would you mind having, you know, a 10 to 15 minute talk with me? Really and based off of those conversations, I, you know, I, I always had the analogy of dating, you know, some of the conversations will go well, and they'll follow up and they'll want to be able to help you in any way possible. And then, you know, those other conversations, you might not hear back from the person. And I never took offense or took it personally, because I now, you know, being an adult and, and working, um, I know people can get busy. And also, sometimes people just don't have the capability to be able to help. So I, I never took it personal and I definitely got a lot of no's. I ne- definitely got a lot of um, no callbacks. So that was a very interesting time. And I'm so glad that I had a family that pushed me to keep going and and not get discouraged and, you know, and, you know, just say like, breathe, let it go and, and yeah. just, you know, talk to the next person. It sounds like your mom was very instrumental in that as well. And she encouraging you to just keep going. Yep. Yes, she was. And so what was the breakthrough for you then? What helped you, you know, there must have been somebody um, that you you met and some mentors in your life. Uh, what was the breakthrough and what really uh, led you to the New York Stock Exchange then? Yeah, so I ended up meeting a guy, but right before I met him, I had a meeting with a lady who I'd met through networking and she was supposed to help facilitate, you know, recent graduates find their first job out of college. And, and, you know, what I say to young people is you will get a lot of advice, but you know yourself better than anyone else. And not all advice is right advice. So, you know, take what information that people give you with a grain of salt and keep moving forward. But I remember kind of being a little discouraged after talking to this woman because she had made a comment to me saying that I was reaching too high as far as as far as the positions that I wanted um, to to obtain. And I don't think I was reaching too high. I don't think I mean, I wasn't asking, you know, to be vice president of a company or anything like that. All of these were entry level jobs. Some of them were higher paying than others, but you know, I, I believed in my worth and I believed, you know, I should get paid a certain amount. And she was a little, yeah, she was a little discouraging. It's really, um, you brought that up because I think that we all have those people in our lives that we really have to sometimes block out mm-hmm. <laughs> or yeah. else can, you know, discourage you from, you know, just shooting for the stars and just going for it. Right. And and it's no fault to any one person because, right. you know, humans and, but I, I read a lot of self-help books. So I try to use my words very wise. And, you know, when people want advice, you know, making sure that they actually want advice instead of just interjecting. But, you know, oftentimes people will project their fears onto you or, mm-hmm. you know, how they were able to maneuver things and, and maybe it wasn't that great for them. And I don't think it's ever that great for anyone, right? Because everyone's struggle is just that. So I think she was trying to be helpful, 
but right. you know, and doing so if, if I wasn't the woman that I was, it would have definitely shot my confidence and it did shoot my confidence just a little bit. And so I ended up meeting a guy, I, I won't say what firm, but he worked for a big financial institution in New York. And, uh, he, you know, just absolutely wonderful. We had coffee and I told him, you know, some of the ideas that I wanted to do. And he just flat out said to me, you know, my company will not hire you. You don't have the credentials to, to be part of, you know, my company or, you know, for me to even pass along your resume. However, I do have a colleague that works at the New York Stock Exchange. Would you be interested in being an equity trader? <laughs> and of course, for me, I was thinking, Yes. Like, I mean, no, it's not my background, but yeah, of course I would love the opportunity to even just be in that, that space. Um, and for something that I've learned over the years and, and again, people learn, you know, what, what they're great at and what they're not. For me, I know I'm the person when I am able to physically get in front of somebody and sit down in front of somebody um, and it's not just via email. I can sell myself. Like yeah. whatever, whatever it is that you want from me, I can sell myself. And and I that's something I'm very strong at. So, you know, while I was navigating trying to find a job and before getting the job at the New York Stock Exchange, I would always tell people, you know, don't just do an email introduction. I want to actually be able to either a get on the phone or b be face to face in front of these people and the conversation. I promise, like. I can sell them. Like, just let yeah. me literally let me get my foot in, in the door. And that, um, that's so important. Sorry. I just want to mention too, like, because I think it's such an important point that you brought up is that nowadays people are so used to texting or just using the phone yep. and the technology. And, and like you said, you can't really get your authentic self through and Correct. people yes. really, you can't bond with people um, through technology and, no. you know, and so to be able to build that type of deep connection where somebody's willing to put themselves out there and help introduce you or do something, I think that's a really important point, especially for anybody that's trying to, to grow. That's great. Yeah, it is. Especially when you, you don't have the background. And I think if you come off as a person that is authentic and genuine and people want to connect with you, they, yes, they will literally, you know, open doors to be able to, you know, believe in your vision and, and what can we do to help. And so, yeah. And so for me, he introduced me to Gordon Charlotte on the trading floor and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> no, that's amazing. So, you know, when you were given that opportunity, you, you have this incredible confidence and to be able to, and ability to just say, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to make it happen. Was there some fear that you were also dealing with? And how did you overcome that? You know, I look back and again, I, I'm still really young, but I am a person who I won't say just goes off of feelings, but I'm really connected to my intuition. And so when something just feels right, I do yeah. it again I, as, um, and, and some people are really good at that. And some people are very indecisive and, and some people it, it takes years to kind of develop that. So for me, when the opportunity was given to work at the trading floor, again, it was no hesitation. Yeah. And what do I need to do to be great within this role? So I knew that I needed to pass the series 19, which had an 80% fail rate. Um, I had just 
came straight out of college. So I was pretty well versed in how to study for tests and kind of just put my all into it. But I'm mm-hmm. also the, the type of person, again, if you give me the opportunity, I'm always going to put my whole heart into it. I don't believe in just putting, you know, half of myself into it and kind of sort of doing it. I, you know, I'm competitive in my own mind. Yeah, I go all in and I'm competitive in my own mind and I want to be the best, you know, within my own space. And so how can I, you know, completely go all the way in with whatever it is that I'm doing? Yeah, I totally get that. And I get the intuition side because I'm exactly the same way. And sometimes I find myself actually saying yes to certain opportunities. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I'll look back and be like, oh, whoa. (laughs) Okay, now I have to do it. And, you know, but yet at the same time, it just feels right. And you know that you'll put the time in and the effort in to make it happen. And over time, and I think you've, you've learned that as well. You're a great example of, you know, you can learn and, and figure out anything. You just have to be committed to it. Absolutely. And the biggest growth comes from, you know, not being in a comfortable environment and, and, and really taking those risks. And so like, like you said, like you, you've said yes to things and you're like, okay, now I got to actually do it and commit to it. I have done that so much, but you know, one of the things that I truly stand by is I love being the dumbest person essentially in the room. I love being given the opportunity to grow and to learn and and to learn new things and to be in new environments. And so often I'll just, you know, say yes, again, going off of my intuition, um, having no background, no idea how to do it, but again, putting my all in so I can be the very best at, at, at whatever it is that I'm trying to achieve. So the one thing I'd love to hear from your perspective is certainly you were the only woman on the trading floor. How did that feel for you in terms of the environment? And and what do you think going forward, organizations like the New York Stock Exchange or other companies can do to better support uh, women leaders and help them to get into positions where they traditionally are not? You know, I think working on the trading floor was a wonderful opportunity. And I truly, you know, I'm grateful and humble. And, you know, it was a great experience. Me being the only female on the floor, I didn't honestly notice or even think in my head or have any insecurities. I never, it just never crossed my mind. Again, for me, I just wanted to do well in my job. Yeah. Who is it that I can align with that will help facilitate this? And again, I was just so caught up in wanting to learn and and better myself within the role that, you know, oftentimes I was, you know, go around asking, you know, thousand and one questions. So it just never, there was never a moment in my mind where I needed to pause and say, oh, I'm a woman and I'm a woman of color and I'm in a room with literally all white men. (laughs) Yeah. Should I feel some type of way? Um, no, you just did your job. That's amazing. I, yeah, I did my job. But also Richard Rosenblatt, um, the head of Rosenblatt Securities, he did have a conversation with me day one of my job. And he pulled me you know, into his office and he said, you know, let's address the elephant in the room. There aren't that many women down on the trading floor. And I just want you to know it is open door policy. If you know anything is to happen to you, you come to me immediately. And Richard Rosenblatt mm-hmm. started off on the trading floor as a broker, and then through years and decades, you know, built his own firm. So he's well respected on the trading floor. And so to be able to have that from the moment I entered into that building, to have that open conversation and to address that, 
and him he is still to this day a mentor to me and very much an ally of mine and very yeah, much believes in my vision yeah. i you know had that support from the get-go and I, I think that also helped with again not looking at my own otherness or own insecurities as far as being in a space where i was the other in the room and and using that as a crutch yeah, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And it's actually in all of the research that we've done over the last five years, the number one thing that needs to be in place and sort of a holistic approach to closing the gender gap is uh, number one is having support from the top. And so, yes. you know, you have that support from the top and you know that, look, we're not going to put up with anything. And you're one of the team and, you know, it's really just focus on the work and get it done. And but knowing you had somebody to go to, should there be a situation you're uncomfortable in is amazing. Yeah. And, and just echo that as far as, you know, other women or again, the other others in the room, like how can companies do better? Yeah. Bringing those people in immediately and, and setting them to the side and, and telling them like, we value you and, and we believe in your career and your journey. And, and we want to be able to help you succeed in any way possible. I think when you have that conversation, you know, as soon as they come into the building, I think it is very instrumental in what that looks like for their career. When you don't, you know, ally with them, um, it does, it can bring conflict. One, because maybe the person on the other side might not feel like they can have those open conversations mm -hmm. um, with, with leadership and, and how do you get further in your career. And so you, you, as the person in the leadership role should be the one to open that space and offer that hand. So the other person feels comfortable in doing so. And you said something else that I, I just in my research was, you said, once I made, so once I made a voice for myself, I was limitless. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And can you explain a little bit more about how how did you create that voice for yourself? How were you able to get that confidence to, to be able to project and just, what does that mean to you? Yeah, so again, I never had any insecurities of being a woman or a woman of color on the trading floor, but I know what it is, and this is in any environment, professional or not, what it is to be a woman surrounded by all men and setting those boundaries. And I think, outside of having a conversation with Richard Rosenblatt, I needed to make sure that those boundaries were set with the men that I was uh, working around, all 250 of them. And so I tell people, you know, those first three months, those first 90 days are very important that you set those boundaries. You tell them, you know, what is and isn't okay. Um, so that one, they know how to you know, not offend you because no one purposely wants to do so. And right. and if they are still doing so, you know, then there should be other conversations to be had. But once, you know, I was able to just have a voice for myself and, and set those boundaries, I was essentially limitless and, and the men very much respected me. And I very much had other men around me supporting me and, and after those 90 days and, you know, into the two years of me being on the trading floor, if, you know, anyone was to say anything that was crossing the line, not only was it me speaking up for myself, but there was, you know, a group of men saying, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. you, either need, you either need to reword that or like, you know, apologize, et cetera. And 
um, I made sure that those conversations were had because I think those first 90 days, especially being the other and especially being a woman, you do need to set those boundaries. Uh, it's it's amazing that that occurred and it shows just so much how powerful it is having that leadership at the top. I reflect back on, I started my career uh, in venture capital, a small firm, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was the only woman. I did not have that support. It was a completely different environment, uh, one that um, I ended up leaving because it, there were so many things that were going on that were against my values that mm-hmm. I ended up leaving for a job that was half the amount of money, <laughs> but just to get out, right? And no, I, I was going to say, no, I understand. I, um, and not to cut you off, I, I yeah, had no. a female friend that worked on the trading board. She was a, an intern, but if you ask her, her experience on the trading board was completely different. And, um, and, I, and she worked there prior to me coming there and she worked there a little bit longer. But again, still having those conversations of those boundaries within those 90 days. And once, and, and I'm not saying that this is your case, but I think once those 90 days are up and people get really comfortable, there's really no changing that going forward, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm quite a bit older as well. And I hope that part of that is also the companies and organizations waking up to realize mm-hmm. that it's no longer okay as well and hopefully changing. And also I feel like when um, you know, I look back to when I started my career and I was your age, there wasn't as many female mentors either. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like there was that many, you know, so, or even the push to go out and find a community of people to support you. It just felt really isolated versus I feel like we've made some progress in that area. So what's the future look like for you now then? What what is it that you're moving forward towards? Yeah, so so since leaving the trading floor, I have teamed up with AGC um, as executive producer on a biopic starring Kirsten Clemens, which is which is scheduled to be released early 2021. Um, mm-hmm. And it's so funny because you know I, I became an executive producer on this film, and we've been working on it for the last couple of years, and. I remember Rich Rosenblatt saying to me, well, you're, you're not going to, and he didn't mean anything by it. So I, I don't want people right. to take this yeah. out of context, but he was like, oh, well, but you're not going to end up going into TV and becoming a producer or any of that. And actually, <laughs> I, <guess> for, <laughs> I guess exactly. I I'm created and wrote my own um, TV series and as well as AGC partnering up with me. And we can't wait for that to, be on a major network soon and be able to release more details. But, you know, I, I really wanted to have more conversation of, about empowering millennials and Gen Zers around money and finance. Money is such a taboo term and people don't want to talk about it, but it, you know, having overall financial wellness is important. And I think, especially during this time where it's absolutely relevant and we're going we're in a global recession and people are having, you know, conversations about the stock market and what should I be investing in? And, you know, me countering that saying, well, should you be investing in the stock market at all? If, you know, you have these other variables such as credit card or student loan debt. And I've, I've really have been a voice and have, you know, made a, a space where 
personal finance is cool amongst millennials and Gen Zers. We yeah. have seen this happen previously with the likes of Susie Orman and Jim Cramer. But again, I think they they target one kind of specific audience. And so I love that I'm being innovative in a space where I get to target a younger generation. I think it's so needed. You know, I look back on going through high school and in some of the younger years where it's why why are we not learning about that earlier even when you are first of all you're you're you have a part-time job but you have no family to you really have no bills yes <laughs> right yes so no real bills and so you know to be able to start to learn about savings and investing and and all these things and like you said like with your financial health really affects your mental and mm-hmm. physical health it's so mm-hmm. connected and even your ability to have the freedom to follow any passions you have career-wise, if you're financially stable, you're able to make certain decisions, right? And I yeah. commend you on, on this initiative and anything I can do to help you because I feel like it's so important. How do you find, uh, now that you've transitioned to this completely other area, are you able to take some of the lessons and skills you've learned being on the stock exchange into your new career now. Absolutely. I tell people, you know, your network of people should look completely different, all different backgrounds. All skills are transferable. And yeah, I think, you know, being a disruptor in my space and again, just going into film and entertainment, the reality is, is there are very, very limited women of color on major networks with their own shows and, and just being in that space alone, like I, I am still one of the only, if or if not the only, then very few. So a lot of what I learned from the trading floor and, and you know, people can argue, oh, she had this confidence before, but there is, you know, confidence and real power and being in a space where you are the only and being able to use those same skills in another environment, I think is very instrumental into, you know, how, how well my career has been, as well as, you know, the, the technical side of it, of it all, like being an equity trader, and now being able to give people advice on uh, trading stocks and being yeah. smart. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think it's all it all circles around. But you know, the reality is, most people will change their careers three to four times in their lifetime. Yeah. Um, and again, one job, it may not seem like a direct connection, but there is a value add there. And it's very important that even if you don't like your job, you learn as much as possible as you can within that space to be able to use those skills to go on to do something that you are passionate about. Yeah. I think that's so important. You know, we, we see too a lot of people that have studied one thing and go on to something completely different, but they actually are disruptors because they're approaching problems from a different perspective versus, yep. um, you know, what you're trained in academically to, to see. So mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. Some final thoughts and concluding, what advice do you have for young women that are you know, graduated and maybe aspiring to management or are in management and want to get to that next level. What is, what career advice do you have for them to to really get to that next level? Uh, yeah, just going back on what I said earlier, you know yourself better than anyone else. 
Um, you are fearless. You are absolutely confident and don't question it. If there is an opportunity that comes up and you don't have knowledge or background in it, you will be just fine. Your company doesn't want to see you fail and be open to continuously taking risk. Don't say no because you think there are reasons on why you shouldn't. Give me all the reasons why you should and, and go down that path. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's been a great, great time talking to you. I think there's so much advice there that others can, can really feed on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and we will stay in touch. I promise. Thank you for listening to the Women Leadership Nation Breaking Barriers podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. We want to help you continue to learn and grow. Visit WLNAcademy.com and sign up for our mailing list to keep in touch with us and receive invaluable resources, exclusive content, weekly updates, and new podcast episodes delivered right to your inbox. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, keep breaking barriers.